Well, I'm excited. Uh, it's the third week of Advent, and uh, so I'm excited to talk about peace this morning. And uh, it's going to be a great, great time. So let's pray. I think that's a great way to start, and then we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you, and we just say, come Holy Spirit. Would you just minister your love? Would you minister your peace? Would your heart be made known today, Father? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's, it's Christmas season, and uh, you know this is a time where, when I think about it, peace at times is like the farthest thing uh, that I can think of when I think about Christmas. Uh, you know, it is crazy time for me at Christmas. It's probably a crazy time for a lot of you at Christmas. Uh, there's presents to get. I mean, has anyone been to the town center recently? I mean, it is like, I mean, that's like just the devil's stomping grounds. I mean, you go there, you're fighting someone to get a parking spot. It's not fun. So we've got presents to buy, we have bosses to please, we have deadlines to hit, family comes in town, and if you've got multiple families like I do, it's trying to balance, you know, spending time and making sure that everyone is loved on and making sure everyone is appreciated and, and, and felt loved on and things of that nature. Um, you know, it's a, to me, Christmas time is the opposite of peace, and I think if we were to take a poll in this room this morning, there's a lot of us in here that are dealing with strife. We're dealing with anger, we're dealing with frustration, with bitterness, with offense. Um, there are a lot of us in here that are dealing with grief of loss at this time. When you get around family, that's like the last place you want to be around, but sometimes you have to be around family. And if we were to take a poll, you know, I think it would show that a lot of us in here are really in need of peace at this time. But what happens is our tendency is, is we like to put a mask on. We like to pretend that everything is great. And everything is going peachy keen, and there's rainbows, and there's, you know, things are great, and there's Skittles popping out of the rainbow, and life is amazing. But I think if we were to be honest, there is a storm that is raging beneath the surface in our hearts and in our soul. And I truly believe that this morning that the Lord wants to pour out his peace on us. Peace is something that I have not had a lot of in my life when I lost my father young. Peace is something that I have had a lot of in my life. And, and, and I want to come at it from a different perspective that maybe we have not heard on about peace, or maybe you have. But I want to propose to you today that peace is actually found within the context of spiritual warfare. And so we're going to take a look at Scripture. I love reading the Bible because it's awesome, and it's truth, and it's alive, and it's active. And we're going to read here in Mark four thirty-five to 41 This is when Jesus is on the boat. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as was in the boat. There were also others in the boat. A furious squall came up, and the winds broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I mean, I love that. I don't, just sleeping on a cushion over there. The disciples woke up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, he rebuked the winds, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, I think we can have this scene of where, you know, they're like in this canoe-type boat, and they're like hanging out in like the adventure landings, you know, uh, wave pool, and, you know, there's like a little bit of water gets in the boat, and they've got little teacups, and they're like flipping water out, and they're like, oh, man, we need to hurry up and get the water out. No, but I, I think in this picture, like these are the disciples who have seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He probably did all that by 12 noon that day, and here they are, they're in a boat, and the boat is about to drown. 
And I don't picture them being like, well, the boat's about to drown. Like, no, I imagine them panicking. I imagine them losing it. I imagine them being out of their mind. They're like, whoa, we, like, we're, we're supposed to conquer Rome. We're supposed to be like the greatest people. We've got Jesus. And like, we're going to go out like this? Like, no, like we need to go out guns blazing, not in a boat in the middle of a storm. And then here we have Jesus is sleeping. Now, I don't know about you. But I want to pray today that we have like the sleeping anointing of Jesus. I mean, come on, Lord, give us your sleep anointing. Where it could be like Jumanji in your house at night or kids are crying and you're like, I don't hear nothing. I'm just sleeping like Jesus. I'm just going about it. But what I find interesting is that Jesus doesn't wake up and he's like, oh my gosh, there's a storm. What am I supposed to do about this? No, he gets up and he stands in the authority that God gave him. And he commands the winds and the waves to be still. We don't serve a God who is phased by our issues or our problems. We're over here losing it at times when there's things. And, and, and at times it's like when things happen, yeah, we have a tendency to resort to fear and anxiety and worry and depression. And all these things that are the opposite of peace. But we serve a God who's not worrying so much as we are about our options. And I'm not saying that the father's literally asleep and we're like crying out. We're like, Lord, save me. And he's like, sorry, like I'm going to hit the snooze for like 15 minutes and I'll get back to your problems in a little bit. But I'm saying that our father sits on the throne. I'm saying that he is the alpha and the, the omega, the beginning and the end. I'm saying that he knows what you're going through and he knows that he is bigger than the problems that you're going through. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. When we feel like we're going through issues and, and there is a storm raging and, and we have a God who we're like, he can't possibly understand what I'm going through. I beg to differ. We have a God who knows exactly what you're going through. Jesus was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet he was without sin. I mean, I can't imagine God being on the throne, and, and we're like, God, this is going on. And he's like, whoa, what in the name of me is going on here? I can't believe this. What happened? Tell me again. Like he's not up there saying, like, what on heaven are we supposed to do about this? Like that go over. Sorry, dad, dad jokes have like kicked in full effect for me. So it's like, what on earth am I supposed to do? And he's like, what on heaven am I supposed to do? Thank you. We need boys to get a little. He's not panicked by situations that we go through. He's not phased by it. He's on the throne. He's in control. He has perfect peace when we have none. And he gives us an example of what we're supposed to do. When we're faced with physical, emotional situations, it's very simple. Looking at Jesus, 1 Peter 2.21 says that he is our example, we should walk in his ways. Instead, at times, when we think peace, we're like, oh, Lord, just, just bring me peace. And we think like meekness and like, oh, like I'm soft and if I'm going to pray for peace or if I want peace, like I just have to, you know, get in like a ball in my, you know, room and I just have to pray, God, give me peace. No, 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 I wouldn't want to propose that we need to rebuke the things in our lives and we need to fight for peace. 
We need to do what Jesus did. He rebuked the spirits, and then he rebuked his disciples. He loved to rebuke, but he does it in a loving way. And I think this morning, the Lord wants to rebuke the things in your life, and he wants to turn your attention and your affection towards him. He wants you to realize who you are. So Jesus gets up, he rebukes the winds and the waves, and they listen. And the disciples are like, oh my, oh my God, like, who is this guy? Like, even the winds and the waves, listen, this is crazy. And Jesus realized that all power and authority had been given unto him. Romans 8 says that we are co-heirs with Christ. If you're an heir, that means you get everything that the person that has given it to you has. So if Jesus had all power and authority from heaven and earth, and he is giving it to us, then can't we presume that we can also take the same authority that Jesus gave us and that he has purchased for us and rebuke Satan when he tries to attack us? To me, it's interesting that, that peace always seems to be threatened when we choose to really pursue and follow after the Lord. There's, I mean, is, I mean is, that, is that not true? It's like, man, we're like, Jesus, I'm going to go after you with everything. We draw a line in the sand. And then it's like we expect to just like float around on a cloud like a magic carpet ride in Aladdin and be like, this is amazing. You know, we're like, this is amazing, Grace. And we're like floating around. We're like, man, life is amazing. But I think when we draw the line in the sand, there is a battle that has just been started. You have just told Beelzebub, Satan, the enemy of lies. You have just told him that there is now a war that is about to be started. I remember when I was in high school, and I was praying prayers of, God, I want to be radical for you. I don't do great things. And he said, pray for your school during lunch. And I was like, yes, I'm going to pray. So what I did is, is instead of eating lunch, because, you know, I, I, I love school lunches. They're amazing and everything. <laughs> but instead of eating the lunch, I would go into our band room and I would pray. And I would cry out. I would, I would plead the blood of Jesus. I would say all the most religious prayers you could ever pray. Like, oh, holy is the thou God, you know, of all creation, come in power. But I would pray and I would cry out that people and friends of mine would come to know who Jesus was. And I'll never forget that one day I walked out of the band room and there's about 12 uh, people out there um, that are known to be in a gang. And I walk out and they surround me and they start to curse me out. They start to ask me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying for our school. And they started to say the most obscene things about the Lord, about me, about the faith that you could ever imagine. And it's like, I mean, I took, if you don't know, I'm a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, so watch out. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like surveying the area, and I'm like, how many could I get to before this turns really bad? And I was like, maybe one. Like one swing, and then it's like, I'm in the emergency room somewhere. And then my mom's like, you know, crying and praying over me, you know, and tears of sorrow are just pouring out. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I, I just was like, hey, leave me alone. Let me go. And I started praying, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. And I don't know if, like, you guys ever get so angry sometimes, you get, like, you almost, like, emotional, like, you want to cry, you know? So I'm walking down the hall, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, there's like, there's, like, really emotionally sad, angry tears that are, like, coming down. And I'll never forget one of my friends at the time, because I was a baller on the basketball court. His name was Darius. Darius was about 6'7", 280 pounds. He was the center for the team. He played football for our team. And he was like, Sean, what's wrong? And I'm like, he's like, calm down. He's like, what happened? And I was like, I was praying for our school. And this group of gang members was over there. And they started attacking me. And they started cursing out the Lord. And they started cursing out me. And I'll never forget, he said two things. He said, you tell me where they are. And you tell me how many there are. 
and I'll go get my boys and we'll take care of this right now. And I remember thinking like, oh, oh, oh this is going to be like, this is going to like, this story's going to go with scripture. Like, this is going to be amazing. Like, you know, disciple Sean was praying and then this happened. And, but I told him, don't worry about it. But I'll never forget at that moment when I was surrounded by them, it's really hard to trust the Lord. It's hard to trust the Lord with our, with our finances. It's hard to trust him with our family, with our kids, with our marriages, with our jobs, with life in general. It's hard to trust him. It sounds easy. Trust the Lord. You know, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. It's easy to say that. But when rubber meets the road, I think it's difficult at times. When you're really faced with needing peace, it's difficult to really get what you need at times. But the Lord is always faithful. He is true to his promises that you are his kids and he will take care of all of your needs. And we have a tendency to resort to fear and anxiety. You know, we're calling your spouse and then your spouse doesn't answer your phone call and then you call them again and they don't answer again. And then you're like, I'm going to call them a third time. And you call a third time and they don't answer. And then, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then you see on the local news that there's like a car wreck on like 295 at Bay Meadows. And you're like, whoa, like that's where they drive home from work and all these things are going on. And you're like planning out the worst possible case scenario. And they call back and you're like, whoa, where have you been? I've called you like four times. And they're like, I was in, I was in the bathroom. I don't like to talk in the bathroom. I, I, like I used to, but then you can hear the echo. So then, so I don't do it anymore. So that's our tendency, is it not? Like, we plan out the worst-case scenario. About three weeks ago, I found out that I have some pretty, and pretty severe heart issues. And I was getting an echocardiogram, which is like a sonogram. I felt like my wife, you know, when they're, like, you know, putting all the jelly on. Like, you know, I'm sitting on the bed, like, without a shirt, and they're jellying up my heart. And, you know, for about an hour, she's taking things and all that stuff. And then the cardio surgeon comes in, and she's like, we have some issues. You have an aneurysm in your heart, and it's pretty big. We're going to go send you right across the street. You get a CAT scan like right now. You're going to bypass everybody. You're going in right now, and you need to come right back and see me. And in the five minutes, I mean, I'll walk down the hallway, elevator, car, and it's right across the street to go get the CAT scan. And if you would have seen where my mind took me, I mean, it went from, oh, my gosh. My dad died at 41 of a heart attack. I have these issues. Um, Am I going to die young? Where's my funeral going to be? How many people are going to show up? If I pass away, like, is my wife going to marry someone much hotter than I am? Like, all these, all these things start flooding in my mind. And I'll be honest, I started planning out my funeral. And I'm like, here I go. I'm going down the same path. And I wish in that moment that I would have reacted like Jesus in the situation. I wish I would have said, Satan, you shut your lies. That I am a son of the Most High that I am called to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, that you have fearlessly and wonderfully made me and knitted me in my mother's womb. I wish, I wish I would have reacted like that. But I ran the absolute opposite direction. It took my wife, it took family to literally look at me and shut up. Hey, you shut up. Stop. Stop saying those things. Like, stop speaking lies and word curses over yourself. Speak life, not death, over yourself. And at times, we, we are going through situations and we speak death over ourselves all the time. And we think that our words hold no weight. No, no, no. Jesus spoke things into existence. The Father spoke things into existence. Your words hold weight. And I wish I would have responded differently. But how many of us go through similar situations and we do that? The enemy wants nothing more 
than for us to run down these trails. When we're faced with anxiety and we're faced with temptation and we're faced with things, he wants us to run down these trails. Whereas our response should be, let's not run down this, but let's run to him. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Man, you guys like that one. 2 Timothy 1.7. We're not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5. I love this one. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive so as to obey Christ. So often we are fighting a spiritual battle and we're fighting the problem in the natural. The battle that we are fighting is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and rulers of this dark world. That's what Ephesians 6 says. And it says to take on the full armor, feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit, all these things that we are supposed to... And, 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 we, and we fight the things that we need peace from in the natural. We, we, we fight with, with medication, and I'm not saying medication is bad. I'm saying that the, the Lord will heal you. The Lord can use medication. I'm on medication. But sometimes we resort to things like that. We resort to other people over the things that we need. We resort to self-help books. Like, have you seen the sections in, like, Barnes & Noble? The self-help books is, like, a massive section. It's crazy. Self-help books. And the, I mean, I'm not saying, be like, oh my God, you're saying they're not good. No, I'm saying help, self-help books are, are, are okay. They're good. We resort to materialistic things. You know, we think that if we have a nicer car or a nicer house, and it's like, man, like, I'm going to have peace. I remember there was a quote from one of the best football players who's currently still playing right now. And he says, I can have any woman, any car, any house, anything that I could possibly ever want or imagine. But I still go to sleep at night thinking there has to be more. And sometimes we see people that seem to have it all together and have peace, and we don't know that they, could be going to, that they could be going to bed every night tormented with no peace, with no hope, with no joy, with nothing to look forward to. And we think, you know, mo money, mo problems. You know, a quote. I just wanted to throw that in there. I just, so. But when all else fails, then we turn to the Lord. In the boat, I can picture that they're running around trying to fix it themselves. You know, little teacups and going around and they're trying to like get nails and like pin everything to the thing and they're trying to fix it all. When all else fails, then they go to Jesus sleeping on the cushion. In our situation, why is it that we have to try everything before we turn to the Lord? Has it really come to that? Has it really come to where the Lord is our last resort to get the things that we need? What would happen if we're going through situations and trials, if we were to cry out to the Lord first? What would have happened if the disciples, before trying to run around and panicking, if they would have just said, hold on, uh, we have the Son of God in our boat, I think things are going to be okay, let's wake him up real quick before we start going crazy. What would have happened when I got the diagnosis if I didn't lose it and I would have turned to him first? What would have happened when we have loss and we have regrets and we have fears is that instead of running down rabbit trails, we say, you know what, I'm going to turn to the Lord first. And if he's really true, if he's really faithful, then he's going to step up. I can't stop. Amen. Yeah, come on. Grace you. I love it. You know, I, I can't stop thinking about Jesus in the garden. You know, he's got fear and anxiety. I, I can imagine. I mean, he, to, to the point to where he's sweating blood. 
Like he's getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to be hit with the cat of nine tails, which is a, a whip with shards of glass and metal that goes and it wraps and it sticks in and then they rip it out and everything gets torn up. He knows what he's getting ready to go and face. And he's in the garden to the point to where he is crying out and he is praying and he's turning to the Lord to the point where there is blood. He's sweating out blood. I don't get a situation where Jesus is like, here I am, Lord. This is going to be amazing. No, no, no. He's human. Hebrews 4, right? He's tempted in every way. But what he had to do is he had to fight for his peace to the point to where he sweated blood. And at times we go through situations and we're like, I'm going to pray one time. Lord, give me peace. Fix this situation. And we're like, well, guess it didn't work. The magic prayer wand didn't work. What if you need to press in? What if you need to pursue the Lord like you've never pursued and you need to fight for what the Lord has already called yours? There are people in here that need peace. We all need peace. Jesus didn't just rebuke the storm. The storm actually listened to him. Church, we need to stand in our place of authority. Romans 8, we are heirs and co-heirs. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That you are the apple of his eye. That you are sons and you are daughters of the Most High. That nothing can separate you from the love of God. What would happen if we said no to the lies and we said yes to the Lord? There's fact and there's truth. The fact is, is I have a heart issue. The fact is I have an aneurysm in my heart. But the truth is, is that the Lord has set me free. The truth is, is that he's a miracle-working God. The truth is, is that he is for me and not against me. The truth is, is that what the enemy intended for, for, for evil, the Lord wants to turn around for good. And what we need to do is we need to start standing in the place of authority. There's a reason Jesus rebuked not the winds, but also the disciples. He's probably like, wake up. Do you not know who you are? How much do you need to see me do? How much do you need to see me perform before you realize that you are part of me? That your blood, my blood, runs through your veins. Do you realize that? A new creation, when you say yes to the Father, his DNA is now woven into your DNA. You are part of him. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he has called you to be conquerors, people. Know who you are. When our identity is wrapped up in the Father, it will bring peace. When we know he is for us and not against us, it will bring peace. When we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper, it will bring us peace. There's no magic formula to get peace. But if you want peace, it's found in the Father. We're going to close with this. We shouldn't focus on really pursuing peace 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 is kind of like oh it's like what is it like peace it's like this imaginary thing like no no no. peace is found in pursuing the prince of peace when melissa read that in isaiah 9 it's like you know he is the prince of peace if you need peace you serve the one who is peace if you need joy you serve the one who is joy if you need love you serve the one who is love And we think, man, what do I need to do to get peace? You need to get Jesus. You need to get to the Father. You need to get before the throne. You need to spend time in his presence. When we do have you guys come up for prayer, like you need to come up and you need to be like, Lord, I'm not leaving until I get what you have called me to have. We need to fight for it. In this season, you know, gifts are a huge part of the season, Christmas season. Kids love gifts. Everyone's like, what what can we get John? I'm like, get him nothing. He's going to play with a wrapping paper more than a gift. Like, just save it. Go on like a date or something, you know, and... So, so, like, this season is, like, people love getting gifts, you know? Like, it's, it's a big deal. 
And I truly believe that this morning the Father wants us to give one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive. Peace. There could be a hundred things that are great. But this morning we're talking about peace. So this morning, one of the greatest gifts that we could receive is peace. For some, it will come today as the Father meets and pours out his peace and his love. For some, you're just going to come down to the front and it's going to be like, boom. And you're going to be like, this is amazing. This is amazing peace. And you're, like, you're not going to have to do anything. It's just going to come. But for some of us, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to stand in the place. And you're going to have to be like, Lord, I need you. I need your peace. And I'm not just going to cower down and just, you know, oh, Lord, just give it to me. It might take 20 minutes. It might take 20 days. It might take, it might take a long time. But it might happen like that. But we need to learn to fight for it, church. We need to learn to fight for the things that the Lord has said are ours. We are the church. We should not be running around like a chicken with our heads cut off. We are the church. We should be standing in boldness and peace and love and joy to where people look to us and they're like, what is it? It's the Father. It's the Prince of Peace. If you want what I have, you need to go to him. So for some, it's going to come real quick. For some, you're going to have to fight for it. And again, I propose to you today that sometimes peace is found in warfare. Let's stand.